Kia ora and welcome to Bridging the Gap, the digital technology industry podcast that focuses on showcasing diversity in our industry, diversity of roles, diversity of people and their passions. I'm Victoria McLennan, CEO of IT Professionals to Pō Hangarao Nayo, the industry peak body for everyone who works in digital tech. Thank you for joining me for another great episode of Bridging the Gap. Today I'm here with Avi De Silva. Kia ora, Avi. How's it going? Oh, really good, thank you. We're all relaxed because we're still at the end of January, aren't we? So it's summertime. Mm-hmm. Sun's still out and we're... Yeah, we've still got got a reason to go outside at the end of the day. Yeah. So to help us get to know you, why don't you give our listeners a bit of an elevator or barbecue pitch, whatever you call it, on you and what you do in the digital technology industry? Uh, fair enough. Um, so as you stated before, my name's Avi, and I am the head of technology at a company called Alvarium. Um, Alvarium is a private wealth management and sort of financial services uh, firm. And what I do at Alvarium is I run uh, the, the entire technology uh, stack, the strategy for it, uh, and also sort of manage all the vendors and all the technology projects that we we have going on in the business. So uh, be all, end all of technology, general dog's body as well. Uh, you know, keyboard's not working, passwords need to be reset. Uh, I've got some help with that, but sometimes it does fall on me. Um, but it is quite an engaging and very entertaining job uh, where I get to handle a lot of different aspects of technology and I get to be across the full breadth of it, which I really enjoy. Nice. That's really interesting. So how did you get there? What did you do before this role? So my career into technology was not a typical one. Um, I didn't actually start as a member of an IT team. I didn't graduate with a technology degree. Uh, I didn't do any of that. So I started, um, I went to university not really knowing what I should be doing, but thinking that, ooh, I like the sound of this sort of engineering uh degree and uh, maybe this is an area that I'll be interested in. Studied mechanical engineering, worked as a mechanical engineer for a little bit, didn't really like it, um, and then uh, pivoted into supply chain um, where I was just bombarded with uh, terabytes of Excel sheets, maybe not terabytes, but you know, just a ridiculous amount of Excel. Um, finding out that you know, huge multinational corporations ran their entire business operations on Excel, and this is how companies worked um, to a large degree around the world. Actually, you know, quite shocked me. Um, it was exhausting trying to manage so many different things in disparate, separate manual sheets. Um, and so I asked myself, you know, is there a better way of doing this? How do we actually improve these processes? Um, how do we actually get away from Excel? And are there systems that can take care of this? Um, I guess that's the engineer in me asking the questions. And somehow I came to the conclusion of, hey, there's a whole industry out there dedicated towards improvement, making people's lives better, and hopefully not burning out employees as fast as I burnt out in my time in supply chain. So um, that's sort of the process I went through, or the thought process I went through into um, pivoting into a career in tech. So from that point, um, I did a lot of work around business applications, supply chain systems, um, worked at Datacom and a few other um, firms, putting in systems like Dynamics, Salesforce, um, and a couple of others. Um, and eventually, you know, you start working on bigger and bigger projects. You go from running one project to running a series of projects. Uh, from from that, you sort of look at it and go, 
well, I wanted to get out of just doing projects and that being it, you know, do a project, put it down, walk off, do the next project. I wanted to have, I wanted to get into a place where I had ownership of, you know, a two or three year plan and rolling that out and um, driving innovation across the business. So I pivoted into leadership and one thing led to another and I've had a few leadership roles since and that's kind of how I've gotten here. So just, yeah, the responsibility and the scope just grows as you go. Love it. I love a good pivot story when someone's worked in something else and then found tech and found it's kind of the place they want to be. Um, and so many of us in this industry that you meet have done that, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, closer to home, my wife um, last year pivoted from a career in teaching into a career in technology as well. So shout Very out to Mission cool. Ready HQ. They um, helped her get into a, a job in tech and that was really, really awesome. Um, but yeah, it, it does happen quite often. And I think it's because tech is so, so vast and large and there's so many interesting things to do there that I'm not surprised people find, find their way into it. Yeah. So you've talked about the interesting things. What about the challenges? Are there any challenges that you've faced since you moved into this industry that you've had to overcome? One of the main challenges for me is... Um, just the process of of growing in technology and um, trying to, to to sort of self develop and, and kind of advance myself as a technology professional. There's a lot of uh, degree programs at universities, uh, masters courses, this, that, and the other thing. None of them really teach you how to be a tech leader. Not not in that that sense of the term. Um, so that's been my most challenging process is actually how do I level myself up? How do I learn from people who are already doing it? And how do you get around this, this lack of almost a formal education pathway? And how do you cobble together um, your own version of education um, to, to, to get into leadership? So that's been my biggest, biggest challenge. Um, and it's a question I still get today. A lot of people ask me, how did you get there? What do I need to do to get there? Um, and it's, it's never a straight answer. Um, it's just... Yeah, it's just something that people have different speeds and, and rates of doing. Um, the main tool that I used, however, to overcome that that lack of, of education or that lack of insight into, into leadership was the mentoring program at IT Professionals, and that was really, really helpful. Um, so I've had some fantastic mentors through the program. Uh, they've sat down with me, you know, talked me down from the edge a lot of times in terms of, you know, we've all been there before. These are all the same problems that you're facing, but we've all experienced them at different points in our lives. Um, and it's just, you know, so refreshing to know that I'm not the only person going through uh, challenges like that. And just to hear from people who've been through it, um, that was, I guess, one of the biggest, the biggest um, mechanisms that I used to, to grow. Um, so really, really yes. great for that. It really is so cool when you get a good mentor who you click with and then you can get a different mentor because you've moved to a different part of your career or you're doing something different. Hey, I love that. Absolutely. I've needed different mentors in terms of um, help with setting up consulting practices. Uh, so mentors with a commercial focus and I've been able to find them through IT professionals, help with stepping into leadership and that top level of IT leadership as well. I've had help with that through IT professionals and now getting a bit more of a technical cybersecurity-based skill set. Again, I've been able to find different mentors for different parts of my life. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's it's been really great. Oh, that's great. So the main reason I do this podcast is I want to showcase the diversity of people who are working in the digital technology industry and how they come from 
different backgrounds and done different roles and you've pivoted from engineering and into tech. In your experience, why is diversity really important for us? I think in my experience, diversity of thought and diversity of experience really does add a, a richness and a robustness to any sort of process. But that's more so evident in technology when you're doing things that haven't been done before, where you're trying to improve things in in a way that a company has never even envisioned before. Having different voices, uh, different experiences, uh, and different perspectives is really helpful with that because you see things through different lights. You um, even when you're looking at things like testing, you test things in different ways. You uh, so it really adds a robustness to the process that I quite enjoy. You get more. Um, more feedback, uh, you have richer designs, you flesh things out better. And then again, if we go back to the testing, different people from different cultures would test software and expectate and have different expectations of them. So, um, you know, people might focus specifically in one area, people might be a bit more broad or um, have had experience in a different uh you know, education style or system. Um, so yeah, I really, I, I think it's one of the one of the things that makes IT really, really special is having a really diverse group of people around you. Yeah, thank you for that. So getting back to you and thinking about your pivot from engineering into digital technology, was there a moment or a situation that something happened that made, made you think, yes, this is the right decision. I've taken that right move. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the most, the most incredible Part of that whole transition was, you know, once I got my first job working at Datacom as an ERP consultant, being able to sit on the other side of the fence and really empathize with the customers that um, that we had at, at, at Datacom um, running these projects and seeing that they have these challenges, but then being able to understand, wow, I can really see myself in your shoes. I've been in this place before. I've dealt with these thousands of Excel sheets with these interlinking formulas that keep breaking and you know, computers that run out of RAM uh, because you've opened up too many things or run a macro in the wrong way. Um, and being able to deliver projects and watch them just, you know, go from taking 30 odd minutes to do one thing to have it all automated and have it all kind of working in a, and not a, I mean, you never get to that point where it's totally seamless, but you get to a point where it is mostly seamless. Uh, and that's all, that was just that aha moment for me going, well, I'm really making a difference in at least this group of people's lives. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And sort of from that point, I never really looked back. If you're an IT professional or aspiring to be one, we encourage you to check us out as New Zealand's only digital technology industry body who is focused exclusively on the people who work in this industry. We provide a range of resources, events and networking opportunities to help you grow your career and stay up to date with the latest trends and technologies. Visit our website at itp.nz or flick us an email, info at itp.nz. So if there's anyone out there listening to this who's young and trying to decide what they want to do for a future career or they're working in another industry and thinking, this isn't the one for me and they're having a look at tech and thinking about moving over to our industry, what advice would you like to give them? I think the biggest piece of advice, and this is the biggest mechanism that I use to pivot, is that technology in many ways is quite 
is quite equitable to start with. You have very low barriers to entry in terms of gaining credibility in the industry is is, is quite is can be done in a relatively cheap fashion. It'll still take you a long time to do these things, but you can go online and improve yourself and start learning about tech before you're even working in a job in tech. You can do online certifications. You can um, do boot camps. There's a whole bunch of things that don't require you to sit there and go, oh, I want to work in tech, so I need to do three a three-year degree to get into this program. Um, that's that's my first thing is just to leverage uh, free certifications, uh, things from Microsoft, from Google, from Amazon. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do. Uh, and my second piece of advice is if you're already working and you're out there, um, there's no one who knows your industry in tech better than probably you do. So try to pivot into a tech-adjacent industry um, to what you're doing currently. If you're a teacher, try to go into learning design and, and developing educational tools. If you're in uh, nursing, maybe you can go into uh, sort of health tech. Um, there's a whole bunch of industries that have spawned off making people like you's lives easier. So try to find those jobs because you you will excel at them. That's brilliant and really invaluable. Um, and, and your own experience with the ERP consulting was a really great example of that. So thank you for that advice. So I'm going to ask you my gnarly question. If you could invent something to solve a wicked problem, what problem would you want to solve? In this day and age, there's nothing that gets me quite as as worked up or as annoyed or just as frustrated as 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 cybercrime. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. biggest the biggest banes of our existence, and it, it it really is an industry that preys on a lot of people that that don't know many better, that are vulnerable, that are old or not technologically skilled. Um, so if I could invent something, it would be a just a giant filter that I could place at each pipe that connects into New Zealand. Um, and that would just filter all of the crime out of it. So I'd, I'd really love to, to really see a, a massive reduction in, in crime and fraud rates in New Zealand. And I think we've got uh, infrastructure that could lend itself really well to that. So trying to flesh that out and, and do something that would be would be the gnarly problem that I'd I'd really enjoy solving. I think it would give me a lot of personal satisfaction knowing that I'm, you know, really taking a lot of money out of the back pockets of of people who could probably use their skill sets to do a lot better. I love it. It's a great answer. I watched a movie over the holidays, not recommending it, but it's called The Beekeeper. And Jason Statham basically avenges someone who um is affected by cyber crime by killing all of the the cyber terrorist people so it was a different approach yeah i like your i like your solution better than than his was in the movie i mean we um, do have a couple of benefits to being so isolated in the world right so we can control what comes in and what goes out till starlink really puts a dent in that and kind of increases that that pipeline again but i think we've yeah we've got a really good chance to 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 really turn the dial on that yeah and we given how much we invest in physical border security Mm. as a nation you Mm -hmm. think we'd be investing the equivalent in our virtual border security so yeah i think that would go a long way to protecting us if you could invent that one and it'd make you millions as well of course probably (laughs) probably um 
Yeah, I, I don't want to put any knocks on um, our sort of security and intelligence services, though. I, I think they're probably doing oh, yeah. well more than they should, and they're probably working way harder with way less resourcing than they need. Um, so, yeah, just respect to them. A hundred percent, and very good of you to say that. So I'm going to ask you my quick fire questions now. The first one, if you could, if you had to choose between having a robot assistant running around after you and picking everything up or a virtual AI assistant taking all the pain out of your workload, which one would you pick and why? I think there's, there's potentially two answers to this, but for me, <laughs> um, I'd probably value the, the, the robot assistant running after me and picking things up because um, I've got, I've got ADHD. Um, so I, I tend to um, almost sprint through life and, and leave things in random places or not pick things up or, or put things in places they really shouldn't be. So um, having a virtual, a virtual assistant or an AI that can take care of my work is great, but I think I'm, I'm fairly good at that. But I need, need help with this, the physical side of things going, oh, you left your keys on your, on your car again, or <laughs> oh, you dropped your wallet here, or nope, the socks don't go there. That's a brilliant answer. I love it. Um, <laughs> So the next one that usually stumps everyone is what's the best tech gadget in your life? Mm -hmm. I mean, that does stump me a little <laughs> bit. I think for me, maybe it's not the best tech gadget in my life, but it's a tech gadget that I really do appreciate is just my, my noise cancelling headphones. I think um, it allows me to create a space for myself where really I shouldn't have a space for myself being it on, be it on a train or a plane or even in the office. Like it just lets me create a little zone or a little bubble for myself. And I appreciate the value and the utility that brings to my life. Um, that's Probably my favorite tech gadget. I mean, there's probably more useful things like your your smartphone or certain note-taking software or chat GPT, probably a lot of people would say. But yeah, for me, it's it's my headphones. I, I love them. Nice. I love mine. I wear mine all the time. And what's the worst tech gadget in your life? Maybe the thing that you've wasted money on or the thing that distracts you the most or you've got the least value out of. I think... It's the best and the worst, but it's probably my smartphone. Um, it's the thing that distracts me the most, but it also adds probably arguably some of the most value to my life as well. Um, I think, you know, I need to have a, a healthier relationship with it and I need to be able to put it down a lot more than I do. Um, and it, it is something I do work on. But yeah, I think smartphones have probably contributed to a, uh, a startling waste of my time. <laughs> Which I guess leads into the next question nicely. Do you doom scroll or do you just shut it all down? Do I what, sorry? Doom scroll when you Ooh. get onto your phone <laughs> or do you just stop? Do you act actively stop yourself or do you just end up reading more and more things on Reddit and the like? <laughs> I think it depends on the time. I'm usually quite time constrained, so I don't think I can doom scroll as much as as much as I probably would if I had a totally open evening. Um, so I do use my phone in a very targeted way, but I do use it very often in that sort of targeted way. So I think I'm good at shutting myself off because I've got to go do something or run off and do some groceries or do something like that. But um, Yes, yeah, so I guess the answer is a bit of both, um, but I yeah. know myself. So if I, had, if I was sitting there with the whole day with nothing to do, I probably would end up just doom scrolling. 
for sure. So what's the, you know, you work in tech, so people must ask you for tips and, and answers all the time. What's the what's your top tech tip or piece of advice that you tend to give people? Um I guess it's it's interesting in, in terms of how technology has kind of evolved itself and and how you sort of intuitively need to know how to use devices um, and interact with software. Like I remember when phones used to come with instruction manuals uh, and now they barely come with chargers or headphone jacks, you know, like it's sort of like we've kind of stripped everything out of it. So uh, for me, my top tech tip to people is just to really make sure that you familiarize yourself with what you're actually using um, and why you're using it and what it's actually doing for you. Because a lot of people sign up for things, they don't read the T's and C's. And I'm not saying to go through a 600 page legal document, but I'm also saying, do you really need that that app, that device, that, that gadget? Is it actually going to do what you think it's going to do? Because um, oftentimes, it, it doesn't, um, and yeah. they, they do try to sell you the world. But, um, yeah, uh, that, that's my that's my top tip, I suppose, is just get to know what you're trying to do and, and uh, hopefully use that free trial part of the, the software or um, try it out at a store before you buy it. I like it. I like it very much. I get asked that, you know, wearing my not-for-profit hats a lot by schools and teachers, you know, what, mm. what laptops should the kids in my class be buying? And yeah. um, because they're – they go with their parents into a shop and they get upsold something that's way more powerful than they actually need. So that's great to hear, getting people to really understand what their requirements are. So my last question I asked before, it's not really the last because there's a few things after that that we chat about, but it's the last question of those quick fire questions. What makes you happy? Um, I think the reason why I enjoy being in tech so much and this sort of lines up very well with me is what makes me happy is solving problems. Um, and, and that, that little dopamine head that you get, um, with solving problems and being able to do that every single day of my life is, is, is quite rewarding. Um, just constantly working on things, uh, solving small problems, solving big problems. Um, I really do enjoy it, which is, I think why I like tech so much. Um, so yeah, that does bring me joy. Uh, another thing that brings me a lot of joy is being able to just completely decouple from technology. Um, yeah. I uh, on the weekend sometimes will go over to a friend's house. We've got a little race car that we work on together, and just being able to put our phones in the tray and just work around, get covered in grease, um, and be really analog and hands-on is is very rewarding for me as well. So I quite enjoy that. Um, or you know, spending an evening mowing the lawns or something like that. Just not having to touch technology is is quite good, and it's it's good for the soul. I think. Nice, and I think. In the summer, it's really good to get out and do those things while we've got the daylight and the sunshine, isn't it? Yeah, get it's out fantastic. and go for a walk. And yeah, the sun doesn't go down till eight, till, till quite late. And yeah, we're quite lucky in that sense. Yeah, very. Hey, thank you for that. So just before we close, um, do you want to give something a bit of a plug or tell us about something in your life that people should know about? Um, I think... I've had a bit of a think about this as well. Um, one thing that I'd really like to plug or, or um, bring to people's attention is, is one of the organizations that I volunteer with. It's called the Prince's Trust. Um, and uh, they've got a fantastic uh, youth enterprise program that helps uh, young people from various walks of life uh, figure out who they are as people and if they um, want to um, 
go ahead with with you know economically empowering themselves, um, either helping them you know into sort of different vocations, or um, they have a really cool program um, that allows them to start their own businesses and uh, gives them advice and, and funding and stuff. So um, I really wanted to plug the Princess Trust and and the the mahi that they do. Um, it's extremely valuable to the country uh it really is a, a shining beacon of light to our, our rangitahi like helping them provide for themselves and provide for their families and their their the people around them um and also that you know just keep an eye on the space um keep an eye on my linkedin at some point we'll we'll need more people to help out with the princess trust to be mentors to help young people um and when i do you know put the call out for that and when we're ready to to take that mentoring program for the next step um i'd really welcome you all to to join in and and help out because there's so many people with so many great ideas that would really benefit from the the wealth of information that um people in this industry have that's just brilliant i'm so pleased that you talked about that and um that there are people like you out there doing that kind of my and out there supporting the next generation and i think that's awesome so if we want to if anyone who's listening wants to find you avi de silva on linkedin and um you can learn more about the princess trust in due course when avi posts it up there yeah. thanks for your Thanks so much for your time, Avi. I really appreciate you coming on Bridging the Gap podcast and um, we'll have you again sometime in the future. Pakete. Thank so much, Vic. Thank you for listening. Join me at the next episode of Bridging the Gap.